Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 6th. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we are at page 60, paragraph 2. Today's readers are Sharon H., Katie G., and Nancy H. The reference number for Thursday, May 5th, is 8717. That's 8717. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Susan S. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is Susan S. from Florida. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And having and twelve is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeating and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Susan. I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based, <clears throat> um, excuse me, I could tell it was leaving. <clears throat> Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. The prayer to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 5, on page 60, paragraph 2. I will ask Sharon H. to begin reading. Uh, Thank you, Katie, and thank you for your service. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Uh, and recovered only by God's grace today. And um, the paragraph we're reading are Description of the Alcoholic, the Chapter to the Agnostic, and the Personal Adventures Before and After make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And that God could and would if he were sought. Being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? Let me set my timer here. Um, I was in this program for many years. Um, Started in 1981. I spent the first nine years in OA uh, with the belief that I just uh, had to 
I could be abstinent some of the times, but not all of the time, and I just had to quit beating myself up so severely when I wasn't abstinent. And then someone came from back east, and at that point she had three years of abstinence, and I was just amazed. And I began the OA How program. And um, I began to follow a food plan and uh, went through the process of the steps as they're laid out in that program. But I left that one too. And uh, so this was my pattern for years and years. And um, I was so ashamed when I came to the point where I began to listen to this meeting online, which was in July of 2012, and they were in the doctor's opinion. And um, I suddenly, well, suddenly, yeah, I guess suddenly realized that I had not been totally convinced that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it came to the food. And it was in the doctor's opinion and all of those pages that lead up to page 60 that we're on today that convinced me to the core of my being that I truly was a compulsive overeater, could not manage my own life, the mental obsession that goes with this illness as well as the allergy to the body is a twofold illness. And only a power, and no human power, but some sort of power greater than that could relieve me of this uh, addiction. And so I was willing to seek and follow this program just like I was told on the line. I got a notebook. I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I made notes. I still do. And I went through the process of this book um, just like it's laid out in the book, precisely showing me how I am to recover and once I went and made step three, I immediately began following the rest of the steps. And I'm just so grateful to know and to share with you this program works. Um, I had become a skeptic and didn't believe that it would ever work for me in this particular area of my life, even though by God's grace I'd been given that freedom from another addiction for many years in another program. So I am just so grateful to have the privilege to be on the line today to share with you, and I welcome newcomers, old-timers old like myself, whatever. I do know today that I live a life free from this bondage of food addiction one day at a time. And I thank you so much for the privilege to share with you this morning on these few paragraphs. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Sharon. Who would like to share on this? Monica. This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. May I? Nadia B. Lynn S. Okay. okay. Uh, I have Nessa R., Nadia B., Larry K., um, Lynn S., and Bella G. Did I miss anyone? Monica? Hello, this is Raquel. I just want to find out what paragraph you're on, please. We're on page 16, starting with the second paragraph. Thank you so much. Through, and just what do we do? Did you get me, Monica? Do you want to be on the list, Raquel? Yes, I got you, Monica. Do you want to be... Um... Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, we have Nessa R, followed by Nadia, then Larry K, Lynn S, Bella G, and Monica T. Nessa R, you're up. And someone is banging dishes. If you could please press star one. 
Anyone who's unmuted, please press star one to mute your phone. Thank you. Go ahead, Nessa R. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, we are um, in the same section um, as we are in my um, in, in in my local um, uh, face-to-face meeting, which is uh, which is great. Um, and I I always pondered this this word convinced, which appears in this paragraph, and also in the next one. And it says being convinced, and I have two questions, you know, like being convinced of what, and why do I need to be convinced? And I realize that the answer is the same for both questions. So what am I being convinced of? Um, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, i.e., I am powerless over food and my life has become unmanageable, step one. Then B, that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, the first part of step two, you know, coming to believe in a power greater than myself, and C, that God could and would if he were sought. The, The second part of step two Um, that he would restore us to sanity. And why do I need to be convinced of this? Because if I'm not convinced, then I don't need to go on. I do not need to go on at all. You know, if I don't believe that I am powerless, if I believe that I can do it by myself, that I can run my life and my life, the lives of others, which certainly is what I did for um, over four decades, then I don't need a power. You know, and if I don't need a power, you know, then um, why do I need to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to this power? Why do I need to take step three? I don't need to do this. And if I don't need to take step three, then I do not need the rest of the program. I don't need to go through, you know, the leveling of our pride, um, you know, the deflation of, of, of the ego that is inherent in taking all these uh, all these steps, you know, and this is why Bill, when he first wrote um, this um, this section of how it works, at the end of, of these ABCs, he wrote, if you are not convinced of these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this point or else throw it away, because there's no point in going on unless I know I'm powerless and that I need a power to restore me to sanity, you know, because... Uh, and, and, you know, left to my own vices, I'm always going to do what I've always done, you know. Um, I'm going to um, live in guilt, shame, uh, remorse, and regret. Uh, I'm going to constantly be uh, restless, irritable, and discontented, and I'm going to succumb to, uh, to my desire to numb out and go into the food. So... Unless I realize that this way is not working for me and that I need to do something different so that I can get, you know, peace of mind and serenity and happiness and joy, um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't need this book to show me how to do things differently so that I can have a, a lasting abstinence. Um, I cannot do this on self-will, um, which is why the next paragraph says, being convinced that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So being convinced is absolutely crucial. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. And Nadia B., you're up, and then Larry Kay. Good morning, family um, in recovery. 
My name is Nadia B. I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Ukraine today. Uh, only by God's grace, I am recovered today. So I just, you know, I am so convinced that um, I am um, a compulsive overeater. And, you know, being convinced of that, I think for me, the step three um, was, you know, taken by really deciding to follow directions. And, you know, there are, there are directions on the previous page and they're all in, you know, the directions one through 12. And so just because I was convinced that I am this, um, you know, a human being whose life is, was unmanageable, um, you know, that if I don't proceed today, if I don't progress, learn, live, follow the sim- simple directions that, you know, I am presented with, I am literally a walking dad. I've been there. You know, my life was unmanageable for a long time, and I didn't know how to live it. I was miserable. And so when I was convinced that I needed a change and was willing to finally um, give in to this program and follow the steps the way they were outlined, you know, my life changed. And, um, you know, thank God today that I am being convinced and, you know, it is a process for me of um, getting there. And every day, you know, I wake up and I, um, you know, have to channel, I have to get to this point Mm -hmm. where I am, you know, sometimes things don't go my way and sometimes I get anxious or, um, you know, I get uncomfortable. And today that um, I live in 10, 11, and 12, which is, you know, for me, I've learned through steps one through nine that uh, I, I have to work this program the way that, the way that I, you know, that it is outlined. I started on step one and I've gotten to step nine. And it's, for me, every day is reliving the steps. Um, so today, you know, I'm, I'm uh, back home and there are a lot of triggers here for me, a lot of things that don't go my way, people that don't live up to my expectations. And so what do I do? <laughs> you know, um, thank God today I'm convinced that um, my, uh, the life on my uh, will does not work. So every day I get up and I turn my will and my life over the to the care of God, the way I understand God. And I follow the steps, the directions. And that's to me today, step 10, 11, and 12, because I learned um, um, from my higher power, uh, from, you know, walking this path, how to. Um, And, um, you know, it's a beautiful place to be for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Nadia. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Lynn S. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay, um, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So, look, in step one, we learned what our problem was, lack of power. We were powerless. 
In step two, we learned, you know, what the solution to our problem was, which was access to that power. Now in step three, we learn how, you know, that solution is going to see the light of day. In other words, how in the world is that solution, that access to that power, how is that going to manifest itself in, in your life? How, how is this change going to come about? And step three is merely a declaration. It, it's an affirmative declaration. It's just something you say out loud. You know, we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And notice it doesn't say turn over our will and our lives to God. We make, you know, we make a decision. And um, if you're under the impression that you have to figure out how to turn your will, how to turn your will and life over to the care of God, that's not what's being said in step three. You think about it this way, you know, two birds are, are perched on a, on a tree branch and one of those birds makes a decision to fly, fly away. So how many birds are left? Well, two, because, you know, I said the bird made a decision to fly away, not that it flew away. Making a decision and flying away are two distinctly separate things. And all that's happening in, in, in the third step is that we're making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God. The actual turning over part, that's going to happen in steps four through 12. All we're doing in step three is making a decision. And do we complicate, complicate the heck out of this? Yeah, I think we do. And, and we make that decision by making an affirmative declaration, essentially, to move forward with the rest of the steps. You know, um, the principle of the third step is faith. So in step three, you're, you're like the bird on the branch right now who merely made a decision. Now, maybe now it's time to fly the coop <laughs> into the practical program of action and take steps four through 12. And that's, it's, it's a very simple process. And I think for me, I overcomplicated the heck out of this deal, thinking that somehow I had to have this done already, squared away. I did not. I merely made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God by, by Moving on, next, moving on into the action steps, trusting in the process, pretty sure it might not even work for me, I don't know, but let's see what happens. Thank God I did that. With that, I'll pass, thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Lynn S., you're up, then Bella G. Good mo <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning, this is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. It's really striking me this morning, and I must admit I've had to change the focus of my share because everybody said what I was going to say, but it's really striking me this morning. Being convinced, for me, almost should be the part that's in squiggly writing, not that we were at step three for the way this is resonating with me right now. And it's taking me back to um, the moment after eight years of relapse where I honestly thought, I am never going to get this again. I am never going to recover. This is not happening for me. And I didn't know at that moment that that was my being convinced moment. I had no idea. But it's, it's just so strong that this, when, when I've had a personal experience that relates to a paragraph in the book, it really makes me sit back and be ever so grateful and I can remember the exact moment, although I didn't know it, where I 
turned my will and my life over to the care of God. And you know what? I guess it was where I decided, where I really, truly decided after being in program for so long, 17 years and then an eight-year relapse, where I then really decided to turn my will and my life over to the care and direction of God as we understood him. And it just, um, it is such a profound moment for me remembering that and never knowing it at the time. It's always a look back and see that was, that was the particular moment. I can remember sitting there writing out the steps as they came afterwards. And I was doing it by memory, sort of writing this thing to God, saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I am never going to get this thing anymore. But I know that this is the only way. I know you are. You, even you, just not this is in the steps, but you, God, are the only way. And I know this is what's going to save my life. And I can remember sitting there writing out the steps by rote. And it's almost if a new door was opening. I, I used to say it's, it, so it, it almost felt as if I was actually taking the steps right then. And, and I know I wasn't, but there was this opening up, this lightening of me. Maybe it was the, um, the moment of hope coming back into my life. I'm not sure. I just know that right now, this particular paragraph is really resonating with my own personal experience. And at that moment, and right now, the words being convinced we were at step three were all in squiggly writing for me. They are all in squiggly writing for me because that particular moment was profound and it actually changed my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn. And Bella G, you're up, followed by Monica T. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, today is such a strong and powerful reading. Today, thank you, God, by living the 12 steps every day and 24 hours. You know, I live in freedom. I live in peaceful. And how can it be because of this ABC? This is a reminder for me, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Yes, I am a compulsive overeater. And by being compulsive overeater, yes, this is the way that God created me, that I have an allergy in the body and I have an obsession in the mind. And yes, if I will eat my alcoholic food, I will get this allergy in the body because it's not a punishment and it's not because I am a bad girl or because I am not smart, because this is the way that God created me. And yes, I, I cannot. I cannot manage my own life because I am human and I am limited. I don't know everything and yes, I, I did mistakes, and I will do mistakes, and I have the opportunity to learn and to learn new things, and be that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Yes, and thank you, God, today I know that there is no human power, and I don't believe that there is a perfect person that I can be jealous and I can be in competition because we are all the same. And yes, I can learn from everybody and I have the opportunity to, to you know, to give 
over to others from my own experience and see that God could and would if we were so. Yes, and today, thank you, God. I know that I am not connected anymore to my power, to my ego. Today, I am connected to a loving and accepting power. And today, yes, I know that God loves me and accepts me. And yes, when, when I have those, sky, those moments that, yes, I want the power and I feel that I, I am in control, I have the opportunity just to pause and to say, Bella, wait a minute. Remember, you are human, and yes, I have to work on my character defects, and this is the freedom. Today, I am not connected anymore to my own power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. And Monica T., you're up, and then Katie G., we'll have you uh, move on to the next section. Good morning, Katie. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., presently in Richmond, Virginia. So here we are and how it works. But Bill is going to remind us, you know, I'm such a great forgetter here. Why are you here, Monica? And with A, B, and C, I read that when I was doing this with my guide. I read this, and then she said to me, okay, Monica, I want you to reread this. And I want you to personalize this and put it in the present tense. So, Monica, I am alcoholic and cannot manage my own life. But probably no human power can relieve me of my alcoholism. And God can and will if I seek him. And then she said to me, do you agree, Monica? Do you agree that you are a real compulsive overeater? That you're 100% powerless over alcohol? Yep. I can't get myself out of this. You know, I've tried every way. I can't. All right. I'm agreeing to that. Are you agreeing to, to the no human power? Sure. No one else has been able to help me with this. It's no doctors, no therapists, no pills, no nothing. And then, then the next paragraph, being convinced, convinced, brought to belief. Monica, have you been convinced? Are you convinced, Monica, that you are powerless, once more again, powerless over the allergy? Are you powerless over the obsession of your mind? Yeah, I can't even trust my own will because I keep doing the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. I am totally screwed here and in the corner. Yes, I am convinced. So she says, okay, we're now at step three which is that we decided to turn. And she pointed that out to me, to turn. It doesn't say surrender. It says to turn. And what is the turn, Monica? It's an action. It's an action. You're doing something. My will, what am I turning? My thinking and my life, my actions over to God as I understood him. And... um, you know, and I thought, wow, okay, all right, because dear old Monica doesn't like the word surrender, but, you know, yeah, I can make a decision. And then she made it really simple. Monica, this is just a, a decision that you are making that you are going to continue working through the rest of the steps. And in the result of doing that, you will find a God of understanding. You will develop a relationship wherever you are. 
And the other interesting thing I just wanted to share with you all, when she had in this section of the book, she had me do this personalization and putting it in present tense, starting here at the ABC and going all the way to the end of the first paragraph on page 63. Try it. It's really interesting. And I pass. Thank you, Monica. And Katie G., will you please read the next paragraph? Will do, Katie F. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. All right. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people like try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everyone, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful, and trying to make these arrangements, <clears throat> our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is likely to have varied traits. Holy smokes, I can't even touch this one in three minutes, so... You guys can talk after me. <laughs> anyway, KDG, Recovered Compulsible Reader, Anorexic and Bulimic, and I did the same thing and have my sponsees do the same thing that Dearest Monica T. talked about. The first requirement is that I be convinced. And so what is this requirement? The requirement, so we, we're told that there are no requirements, right? But if we want to live in a recovered mind and body for today, we have to follow instructions. And um, I do have, I do read this in the I perspective. If only my if my arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as I wish, the show would be great. And you know, when I came to step three, the only important thing I don't know how to turn my will and my life over to the care of God unless I do four through nine, which is the most important thing that I knew and that I continue to know each and every day. And I am powerless right now, even though I am in a recovered state of mind and body, and my life is still not manageable. I'm not in management. I resigned. And as a recovered woman, you know, today what this looks like is, so I'm at the doctor's office, right, set up for anger. So before I first did the steps, you know, I'm at the doctor's office. I'm waiting for an hour, okay? And so I'm like, um, excuse me, kind nurse, would you please let me know when I am going to be seen? Because I've been waiting a very long time, right? So I'm kind and generous and putting the stuff on, right? So then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and I get angry. Um, excuse me, my name is Katie G and I'm from Boston and I need to be seen now because clearly you didn't get the memo that my schedule is more important than you. So what's the lie I'm telling myself? That I deserve to be treated number one? That I can manipulate? That not only me but everybody else is going to be happy? And before I first did the steps, and I do the steps all the time, 
it would turn into an amend situation. I am the girl who's had to call Verizon maybe six times and make formal amends for reaming people out because I'm nice, give me what I want, and when you're not giving me what I want, I want to talk to your supervisor and their supervisor and their supervisor. And thank you, God. The difference today is I have the feeling, KDG from Boston, not being seen, being asked to wait. And I say, hey, guys, what's up? I've been waiting about an hour. Could I be seen? And guess what? They didn't see me on my time. But today I have tools, right? So my first thought may not be kind, considerate, loving, demanding. Um, it may, well, it may be all those things, excuse me. It may not, it, but what happens to me is I pause when agitated and doubtful. And I say, okay, well, so I don't get seen. And if you're unmuted, I can hear you. I don't get seen in this specific moment. I'm going to be okay. Maybe I'm stuck in traffic. Well, maybe there's a reason. Maybe I'm not supposed to be there any sooner. So for me, this requirement is um, the beginning of death of self for successful living. Um, and, and I continue to come back to these pages because I need to remember each and every day it is not the KDG show. That is not my primary purpose. It is to stay entirely abstinent and to, and to help other women put their hand in God's hands because I don't want to lose, you know, the KDG that um, is full of God and not of self. And with that, I do pass. And I'm going to do it with you guys one more day. Thank you so much, KDG. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, I have Melissa C., Charles H., Kim G., Reva P., Nancy H., Reva P., yes, I got you, Reva P., I got you, Kim. Have Melissa C, Charles H, Kim G, Nancy H, Reva P. Anyone else? Chrissy G. Chrissy G. And uh, there was someone else. Nicole S. Oh, Nicole S. Okay, I think that's a good uh, number. Let's just go with that for now. Melissa C, you're up, and then Charles H. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa Sia, recovered, compulsive over here in short. And um, gosh, when I first read this, I was like, do they know me? Is this written entirely for me? Um, and, you know, last night I was working with a sponsor, and she had that same reaction like, oh my God, this is me. And, and I laughed. You know, it's no accident that this is written. This clearly describes and defines exactly who I am. Um, you know, and I, um, yeah, I want to run the whole show. I am that actor um, thinking that I know best. And, you know, um, it's really hard to let go of that way of thinking, that mindset, when you're a know-it-all. You know, I'm a know-it-all. And so scratch the surface a little bit, and I really believe that I know best. Um, and that's what I've had to kind of come up against within myself, that relieving myself of the false belief that I know more than I know. That's what we mean when we say ego leveling. You know, and I've been loving and kind and really the best intentions when I try to run the show, whether it's my daughter, my coworkers, my husband, my siblings, friends, um, my my motivation 
generally is loving and kind. And so that's always been my justification for exerting more will. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna push this even further because I really know what's right, guys. You know, listen to me. And um and what I had to truly come to terms with is I know nothing. I don't even know how much food to put in my mouth. I don't even know, you know, given my own will, um, I don't even know that I can't eat certain things. I don't belong in certain places. And so I know very little. And that's been the big aha for me, um, to allow the universe to unfold exactly as it said to do my small part, play my part as well as I can, and get out of other people's way and get out of the distance of other people. And that's been bringing me peace and happiness. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you so much, Melissa C. Charles H., you're up. Thank you very Someone, much, Someone's, um, excuse me, Charles, unless that was you, someone's like banging something. So if everyone could please press star one to mute your phone until it's your turn. Okay, thanks, Charles. Thank you very much for your service. Yeah, I ain't going to let that bother me. That's just, you know, it is what it is. That's, that disease ain't no joke, even on the line. So anyway... Um, I, I'm gonna keep it official, man. I ain't no liar. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna keep it official. I am mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. And um, I have a resentment that Miami Heat didn't win that game last night, and it affects every, it lights everything up like a pinball machine. And, and I'm self-seeking, dishonest, all that good stuff. And I also have a resentment um, that, you know. I started a meeting in my church, and, and, and a lot of those people have a health issues, and ain't none of them show up. But guess what? My OA family showed up. So I'm going to support their meetings. And it is what it is, but I understand. But this is how I feel. And that thing that Monica T. talked about, I made an outreach call yesterday to somebody in vision, and they did that, and I was like, wow, that thing is dope. Internalizing this, um, that, I'm, that I try to run the show, I try to be the principal, I got to quit playing God. And and if I was God, I wouldn't have to be on this phone call today because you know, God God rules everything. God God ain't got no God don't have to follow no food plan, right? So I got to quit playing God. And um, my arrangements would would would, would not stay put. Yeah, of course, I'm human. I want I ain't trying to come on the line saying I got a halo just because I'm in recovery. The food is down, and I got a ten steps, and I got a second step every single day. I got a 10 step every single day because sometimes the thoughts on my, in my mind is like, you know, they ain't sharing on topic. Ain't that the requirement? <laughs> but that, hey, that's just my stuff, right? And and I want to be free of all that negativity, all the talk. I got a self will, will kill self. It doesn't kill me almost, you know, uh, for 40 something years. So now this is like new. Making a decision every day is new. You know, um, Turning my food over in the morning is new. Try to tell some men that going through the, the, the process with men that's pulling, that's, that, that's trying to pull my teeth out. I'm trying to help you, bro. I ain't the enemy. You don't want to do it. You know, hey, that's your business. I'm not running after you. I'm not chasing you. It is what it is. And I, and I, and I said to my sponsor, I said, man, I'd rather be playing basketball than being in this meeting from 6 to 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. by myself. He said, no, you stay there because guess what? You're gonna be re- you're gonna be recovered one more day at a time, right? 
And I remember 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Thursday nights. I'll be binging my brain out, talking about, man, I ain't got to do what they talking about. Let me go order this pizza. Let me go order this ice cream. But one day at a time, right, turning my will over to the care of God as I understand him, knowing that I'm not the principal, knowing I want all these actors to be a puppet on a string, right? When I turn all that over to him, pray and meditate, that's what they say 3, 7, and 11 is so connected, so connected. And, 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 you know, hopefully I will help somebody one day at a time. People hate me, but you know what? I love you. I love your hate because they say, why are you so connected to that big book? Because I say the answers are in there. It's an open book test. All I got to do is read it and apply it to my life and try to help somebody else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Kim G., you're up. Then Nancy H. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Most people live by self-propulsion. You know, I think it's important for me to hear because, you know, living by self-propulsion is not unique to compulsive overeaters. You know, I often um, love when people give me a different perspective on something. And in the back of the book, in one of the stories, it talks about living life on life's terms. And that's not what the first 164 pages say. Because what is living life on life's terms? Living life on life's terms means it's power, prestige, property. I mean, my goodness, that to me is living life on self-propulsion. I mean, think about politics right now. My God, all the people that are successful are the people that are bullying their way through life. They're living by self-propulsion. If you want to talk about all the CEOs of the top 500 companies, they're living by self-propulsion. So in step three, I'm being confronted about the fact that what is life like when I'm living by self-propulsion? What is life like when I'm living on self-will? I have to tell you, for many years in L.A., I thought that my life was only unmanageable when I was in the food. And if that was true, then abstinence would be the answer. So the food dies in step one. We go through this work. We get to page 60. And I find out what are the consequences of me living on self-will. It can't be that it's the food because, once again, I'm, I'm abstinent. So my consequences right now is I'm restless, I'm irritable, I'm discontent. I am experiencing the ism of my alcoholism. I am in untreated alcoholism. And in step three, the self must die because I am confronted by my real problem, which is sobriety, trying to live life on life's terms without a buffer. And I can't do that. And I have to tell you for myself personally, again, I use these pages 6062 as a part of my step 11 practice. Because it's, this is confronting me with where I am. If I identify in with pages 60 to 62, I'm starting to live by self-propulsion again. If I'm identifying in with 86 to 88, I'm living in the spirit. And I have to tell you, I'm hearing a lot of people right now, people I've worked with, people, other people I hear on this line who, have, who are, have had some strong recovery that have gone back to the food. And what I'm looking at is, is they're starting to live in pages 60 to 62. 10, 11, and 12 has become a theory. And this spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Because things are going well. Not because things aren't bad. Things are going well, and they've let up on that spiritual practice, and they started to live life on life's terms again. And they're confronted with the idea that they're living on self-propulsion, even though their motives are good. And because they're living on self, the mental twist comes back, and they're in the food, baffled. And that's why we have to go back through those steps so we can get that firm foundation to understand these pages 
are the consequences of living in untreated alcoholism, and I'm now going to turn from that way of living and turn towards a God-centered way of living. Because I don't live life on life's terms today. I live life on God's terms, and that brings me happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. Nancy H., you're up, and then Reva P. And then, uh, let's see, we have two more after that. So if you all can just uh, monitor your time, that'd be great. Good morning. I'm Nancy H., a newly recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Thank you, Katie, for your service today. And good morning, all visionaries. Um, here I'm asked to approach step three, you know, after examining my life and seeing how that was working for me. I'm honest about how far I've, so far I've wrecked my life that I have to be willing to let go and set aside my will. And I need to move on through the rest of these steps, you know, to get my relationship with God in sync. And that way I'm plugged into an unlimited power source. And when I was, um, actually I love this story about the actor because I'm reminded of it constantly when I start to control a person, place, or thing. When I used to play out the scenario in my life, um, I was really acting like I knew better than God and what needed to be done. And now I've internalized this idea. I recognize why I always was in conflict with someone or something. My life was chaotic. And now that I'm at step three, I have to set aside 100% of my old ideas and work to, re- and to let God, you know, enter my life and um, give me a spirit, a psychic change. And... Um, that psychic change is going to come through my deciding in step three to go through with the remaining steps. Otherwise, my chances of permanent recovery would be very slim. So uh, this being self-propelled, as they describe here, has been a recipe for failure in my life. When I'm inviting God in and letting go of the results, then I'm in God's will. Life becomes more peaceful when I let God be my employer. And I need to show the respect of for my director even more than I should have done in my, you know, when I was in the work world. By the time I retired six years ago, I had burnt many bridges, and it was all due to my self-will and my know-it-all attitude. And I had the very traits, as they describe here, but my ultimate aim was to get my own way. And when I use these traits for my own personal gain, I set myself up for disappointment. So it's important for me also to be grateful and attribute any success I have in this area to God because I I take no credit for my good qualities. They all come from God. And I'm convinced that life self un, run on self-will can be a, cannot be a success. Uh, the sooner I let go and surrender, the better my life becomes. Fear takes the back seat and trust becomes my predominant factor. And if I spend the time I used to control others in seeing how I can contribute to life, I'll definitely be a better human being. So just for today, I'm putting God in the driver's seat, which is my cruise control, and I'm sitting back to enjoy the ride. So thank you for letting me do service, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nancy. Now we have Reva P., followed by Chrissy G. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I'm actually in Montreal today. Um, I love this paragraph because I want life to go my way. I want people, places, things to be the way I want them to be. And I love the word self-propulsion because I am, without this program, without these steps, an example of self-will run riot. And for me, unlike normal eaters, um, just like I can't handle certain foods and it goes on and on and on, um, I become like that tornado 
roaring my way through life. Um, and definitely restless, irritable, discontent, even if I'm abstinent. If I'm in self-propulsion, I am making myself and everybody around me miserable. Um, and I love when it says um, about motives, because I didn't even know, um, I didn't even know what I was doing. My motives seem good to me, and it makes sense in my little head, unless I work it through the rest of the steps, four through nine, ten, twelve, um, wherever I'm at, because I think I'm helping my son. Um, by telling him what to do with his schoolwork. Um, and last night I went for dinner with my mother, and, you know, she's put on some weight, and her condition um, affects her ability to move in general, and I'm sure the weight doesn't help. And you know what my best thinking was in the middle of last night? That I need to tell the kitchen to start changing the stuff that they put on her trays um, because my motive is good, because I want my mother to be healthy because I know she'll move better if she's um, a little bit lighter in her weight. And thank you, God, for my daily step work where I'm journaling and realizing I am convinced, I am convinced if I do that with that motive, I am going to make a mess, I'm going to feel like garbage, and I'm going to make her feel like really not good. So I need to go on with the rest of the steps, which means do a step 10 turnaround and share with people and pray my buns off um, because I cannot run the world. I broke, I broke that ability just like I, um, I sort of broke that uh, thermometer, barometer in my body that handles certain foods. Um, I can't live that way anymore. Um, so it's not about making me feel good by fixing everybody around me. It's by working on the dis-ease with what's going on around me uh, through the steps, and then I have true peace of uh, mind and body. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. And Chrissy, we have uh, just a little a minute for you to share, and then Nicole S., I hope you're available to uh, stick around for the second hour. I'm sorry. Thank you. I could take 30 seconds if Nicole wants to speak. I'm Christy G, recovered from a reader and anorexic. I, I sum, this gets summed up in my mind every every day. I cease fighting everything and everyone, and I, I now live on spiritual principles. So uh, it's cooperation instead of competition. And that, if I remember that, that, and I just wanted to add that, I could even do this when I'm being a dependent person that's being avoidant and um, shirking my responsibilities and wanting the world to take care of me. I could look like I'm going with the flow that way. I could appear that way. But really, it's it's like this, this uh, protest of resistance to what, what my responsibilities are and wanting everybody else to kind of do for me, and I, I could be deceived by thinking that I'm being compliant and doing God's will in that way. Sometimes I have to exert my will, but I have to ex- exert my will in keeping with what God's will is for me. With that, I pass. Thank you. And unfortunately, we are out of time, but um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Well, Nancy H., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.